Sakura Wars, colon, the movie, released July 18th, 2003. Our final destination in our Sakura Wars journey, I'm Delamento. I'm Imperial Flower Girl Nick Nundall. <laughs> and this is Attract Mode. bought in <laughs> yeah 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 you're wearing you're wearing the kimono yes. you get your hair all done up you are yeah. you are engaged in yeah. this sakura wars content I, I i know the audience can't see it but i think they can feel it you know yeah. when yeah. i they dress feel up. the psycho energy <laughs> the, the psycho, psycho power yeah uh nick before we get too uh in depth into this uh fantastic film we both thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> right uh we should make a uh brief mention of something that i've been meaning to mention for multiple episodes i keep forgetting i put like giant bulleted notes at the top of my like and you just look right past show them. notes and i literally my eye just skips right over them but i'm mental mental reminder right now nick there have been new movies what no there haven't <laughs> New, yeah have you heard of the spider-man it's, a, it's pretty good uh batman it's just superheroes now that's all it's that's in the all movie theaters anymore yeah. there have been video game movies coming to theaters despite the fact that there's an ongoing pandemic <laughs> yeah. uh people are risking their lives uh, i'm pretty sure based on the behavior of everyone everywhere <laughs> that there's no more pandemic yeah. i've been be on insane. facebook and my great uncle told me that <laughs> yeah. the pandemic never happened Right. And if it had happened, it's definitely over now. Right. Uh, but people are out there risking their lives to see such great films as Uncharted and the soon-to-be-upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. And we didn't see Uncharted. We missed it. We didn't see it. And and now we're not going to see Sonic at release. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not right away, anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing. Like, I get it. If you're vaxxed up, it's probably safe, but man, wasn't it nice not having to go to the theater for a long time and just having movies online available? I mean, I personally really like the theater experience. It's a, it's a nice excuse to get out of the house. Um, that's not saying I wouldn't also prefer the option to also see yeah. first release movies in my own home. Also, I hate other people. Well... <laughs> <laughs> so i don't want to be I mean, around them this more a you thing i think it's a lot of people thing <laughs> but yes yeah I, I i i long for the days of everything being released online and uh that was a good this, time the, for a while that's that, 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 that pandemic was pretty time. great <laughs> <laughs> yeah Cut, no yeah. can we get no negatives on this can we mm. uh <laughs> Can we you long that for out the there? glorious days of 2021. Yes, everybody's favorite year, 2020, 2021. But yes, so if you've been confused, it's like, hey, those guys that make that video game movie podcast, why haven't they been talking about the new video game movies? And the answer is still a pandemic happening and not really feeling it 
going yeah. through the theaters. Uncharted's literally like going to come out on digital really soon, so it's like, you know, we're not going to be that behind the curve. Right. And we have plenty of great Sakura Wars movies to cover. Boy, howdy doey, Nick. Yeah. I mean, you're all dressed up for the occasion, so <laughs> yeah. obviously you loved it. I've developed a very weird relationship to this franchise where I do kind of love it and hate it all at once. It has given me the idea of a series that I could love, and never does any of these movies deliver on a film that I love. Like, it's such a weird mixed bag. Yeah. Quantum, quantum fandom. Yeah. Uh, so this is another one <laughs> that... You know, it it felt like okay. Here we are at like finale territory for us on this Sakura Wars series we've binged. Um, and granted, there's like a TV series and all the games and manga and stage productions, which are all part of the yeah. same canonical universe. So we've missed a lot of it. But we've I think we've highlighted some good segments of the first movie, this or the first two OVAs, and now this um, to get a, a broad strokes picture of what this universe is. And it's so funny that if I were to tell anyone it's an anime series about a bunch of psychically powered girls who uh, drive steam powered psycho powered mechs in the 1920s and fight demons and invading armies, uh, they would they would have this picture in their mind of an action packed, like high velocity, you know, metal crunching metal kind of series. And instead, it's mostly not ever about that yeah and then the You've, one movie where they're like let's put a lot of that in it they're like and let's not animate it <laughs> Which, oh what you want to see the fight sequences there is there is literally a fight sequence in this movie where the only thing they do is show all of the girls of the flower imperial flower brigade uh as like little uh brady bunch style pictures <laughs> yeah. Uh, in an array on the screen and they talk about the battle while we look at their faces this is a story of a girl named lenny she gets the shit being out of her in this fight yeah and and you know like i don't mind i, I think like a, a cut like that is kind of fun it's i mean you called it the power rangers cut when it came up you're like oh it's the thing yeah like totally it it, it works but uh i i think so many decisions like that throughout this series are made because one weirdly it's not an action-oriented series which is fine that's great if people want to make things that are not you know made for white american for me. male me <laughs> you know um that's cool uh and then it's too it's like i think budget was just not there for like high speed animation through all of these um so what they do throughout this film to replace that when they do show the mechs is have that early 2000s era cg like everything was in this time uh i i i call it you know multiple times in this podcast the like fox kids effect where like everything on fox kids digimon and everything else would switch to this like really poorly done cg animation uh i don't want to say poorly done it's fine for what it is it's just not exciting to look at it's everything slower and clunkier yeah and, well, uh, yeah, it was it was animators still figuring out yeah, right. CG, right? So poorly um, done is not accurate as much as like dated. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it it was it was, and I don't, I don't have the, the the information to back this up, but it always feels like it's done as like a cost saving measure. Yeah. Um, because like traditional cell animation just takes so long to produce. So, mm. 
I feel like it's like an executive decision to be like, okay, like try to fit this in wherever you can. And it's like, oh, you have these giant robotic mechs. Okay, those that would take a long time to like animate with like fluid animation in a cell animated style. Why don't we render those in 3D and then just like keyframe them? <laughs> yeah, spin them around a bit in 3DS Max or whatever the equivalent was back then um and call it a day and like i've been watching the old 90s spider-man cartoon yeah um which growing up i loved uh and i think between that and like the batman animated series like that's like kind of like my my foundation for like superhero stuff that show is some of the most cheaply animated stuff Mm -hmm. in the world because it was fox kids as well spider-man oh was it Mm mm-hmm because I thought they like scraped the bottom of the barrel finding like an animation studio to to make it, but maybe well, if it's I mean, Fox, when I say Fox Kids, sense. I don't think they animated it. I think they like produced oh. right, and they bought oh, okay. studios all over the place. Or, to, yeah, 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 yeah. But they do like three D rendered like skyscrapers of New York. Sometimes they do, like mm-hmm. this first person perspective that Spider Man swings through. They're like still like, oh, this is cutting edge and new, and people are gonna love it because like I don't know ninety. 697 98 whatever um but like so much of the the rest of the show that's traditionally animated still has that cheap like so many times do they like reuse the same frames of animation with someone's talking and they'll either like play it in reverse or mirror it or like slow (laughs) it down somehow whatever tricks they can yeah cut those dollars wow they're yeah they're really cutting every corner they can on this it's fascinating um and I would say the traditionally animated stuff in this movie is pretty good. Yeah. 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 Um, it's just used not in any like major action sequences. Well, not, not any, but sparingly throughout major action sequences. Yeah. And the CG animation, like you said, is so much slower because mm-hmm. they're like, I don't know if it's like a frame rate issue or they don't know like how to properly like communicate speed or power or force yeah. with CG at that point. And so it's just like these big lumbering mechs that are going to be somewhat slow on their own because like they're they're giant mechs uh but it just doesn't it doesn't have that you know that kinetic yes force that's exactly it because like yeah i mean when they had these mechs fight in the traditional animation like there'd be like kickback and recoil and stomping and things like that and the whole body would like you know compress and and shift and in this it's just like every piece moves independently and has no effect on the greater system so if an arm goes up it's not like the shoulders twist and bend. Um, so it's very, very stiff, very action figure-y uh, and disappointing, majorly disappointing. The first, <laughs> I mean, we need to talk about this movie in some order, I guess. But just the the first time those came on, I was like literally sitting forward like, oh, shit, here it goes. Big finale movie. What are the mechs going to be like? You know, I'm ready to finally see some big action. And then I just like deflated in my seat <laughs> when I saw what they were. It was, it was really disappointing. Yeah. So to get into the movie proper, I don't know where this takes place in the chronology. I don't know if you know, Nick. It I says mean, 1926 at one point in the movie, but I don't know if how that lines up with. I mean, it's certainly after the second OVA. Yes. Um, and then after the third game, which would be the Paris is Burning game. And I think it's setting up the fourth game uh, for the New York contingent of the the, mm. the Battle Girls. <laughs> yeah they call them aren't they called like the star division no i think star division is a retired group that a is from 
Okay. And yeah, so like they try to start one somewhere else. Yeah. It's so confusing. They they yeah. throw out so many like deep <laughs> references nouns. to decades of canon that we get tiny snippets of along the way. Yeah. 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 It's our fault, honestly, for not being right. super fans. Um so so it's Christmas time. Merry Christmas, Nick. Oh, it's Christmas you. time in in the movie. Uh they start with like a Christmas song like playing over top <laughs> yeah it never feels um, like a christmas movie at any point aside from this intro though yeah yeah i was like oh okay like i like when like a, a movie takes place during a specific time of year that's always fun like incorporate that kind of stuff and then they do nothing with it mm-hmm. um we also get a uh introduction like very good um contrast of like happy uh tokyo citizens going about during the holiday season doing christmas shopping and then a cut to some demonic scary looking dude on a rooftop it's like three of them there's like three entities there yeah yes and then they're looking across from the imperial theater of course there's a show going on they're kind of like dressed up like the rockets or something i have no idea what kind of show this is they're just doing like a big like musical number all together we we get a return to Elvis Man. Briefly, yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the guy at the end of the second OVA, who we were just like totally stunned by, he is apparently the new captain taking mm-hmm. over for Uh huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh taking over for what's the what I I'm I don't have my names cheat sheet up uh, in front of me. This is a disaster. Ugomi Ugami? Uh, Ugami? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, the, but the, the once Navy deck swab now, uh, or, or then captain of the, uh, flower girls and then ultimately left to go to Paris and, uh, the protagonist of the first three games apparently as well. Uh, yeah. he, uh, he is gone and in his place is Elvis. Not a lot to do with Elvis in this movie though no. like Mm-mm. he's just there I'm sure he's an active character in the other media that we haven't participated in yeah um, he's just constantly carrying his guitar I don't think he does a, a single no. uh, musical rendition this entire movie though no um they are trying to look at my very very sparse, sparse notes. notes they all right, so we get this introduction of this character, Lachette. Yes. Her name. A um, very French name for a very American blonde. Yes. At some point she is she is introduced. She is like I think she's the first character we see on the on the screen, actually, um, walking through the, the city. And she comes to the Imperial Theater like the next day after they do their show. And Sakura and someone else is like, oh, who are you? Like, what do you want? Or they, and they're asking in Japanese. And then she turns around English and she's like, hi, I'm looking for the commander. Do you know where he is? And they both kind of look at each other and they're like, uh, um, we don't speak English. How's your English? Is your English any good? No, mine sucks. And, and so Sakura's like, I'm Sakura. It means cherry. And then she Hi. like makes fun of them for not speaking English well. It's like, oh, yeah. great, great start. Yeah, this is going to go well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Don't yeah. you know English? It's like, you're in Japan. Why would you <laughs> expect them? Right. Or even if you go and you can't speak their language, which would be, you know, in this particular scenario, an ill-advised choice, 
have some understanding <laughs> that they don't speak your language. Yeah. Yeah. But it's okay. She speaks fully fluent, perfect Japanese, uh, and will for 98% of the rest of the movie be speaking Japanese. So what an asshole. No problems there. She has a conversation with the commander, um, our favorite commander, uh, whose name I also forget. Do you yeah, remember the commander's name? We need name? that cheat sheet. I will never yeah, get gonna, through this I'm without gonna, it. I mean, I remember most of the uh, girls' names. Soldiers, yeah. But why am I blanking on everyone else's? Because he's a side character who, I mean, aside from his like OVA uh, episode with Sakura, like, does he do anything really? Uh, he drinks a lot. Yes. Um, which is the thing I was going to bring up that he, we never really talk about how he, he's always like imbibing something like the party that happens in the second OVA, Mm -hmm. like he's, he gets drunk and he gets Ogami drunk. Um, and then like they go on like a fishing trip together and he also gets drunk there. And I was like, okay, like whatever he is off duty. But when he, when Lachette has this conversation with him, he has like a giant sake bottle on his desk. And I'm like. Uh, well, it is right after uh, their uh, their performance. Maybe he was having a little celebration, you know, after. Wait, wait no, it was the next day. <laughs> it, he could be celebrating still. Yeah, yeah. Can't <laughs> <laughs> um, get hung over if you, if you never stop drinking. But I don't think we need to go through necessarily like scene by scene. But the point is, yeah, she's yeah. talking to him, the commander, uh, about how in New York they are currently setting up a new division uh, of of mech drivers with psycho power, and uh, she has brought her Eisen Scald, which is their version of the Kuma robots that the girls drive, or mech suits that the girls drive. Um, and uh, she wants to train with them and learn from them to, you know, learn how to be the best. Uh, except that it's a very like conceited and not not actually flattering. Uh, sort of demand that she will train because America's definitely going to have the best team. We're just mm-hmm. going to take what you know and do it better is the idea. Yep. Um, number one, baby. Number one. <laughs> meanwhile, there are some some other characters having sort of side plots. We have a, a kind of like meeting room shot at some point uh, throughout this where it, it looks like it's the Japanese government talking about potential threats um, there is a conversation about how the city is in a time of prosperity. Tokyo is at its like, like a rising highest, you know, prosperity. Yeah. The city is growing. And anytime that happens, there is an inverse rise in the amount of uh, quote unquote darkness. Um, this evil sort of, you know, metaphysical presence that they have to worry about. So they had the demon wars, of course, in the history of the series before, um, these movies began and the games begin and it seems like the prosperity of the city might be leading to another demon war or at least just some kind of incursion demons they're just jealous of success yeah (laughs) yes exactly so the better you're doing the angrier they get and the more dangerous it gets um and they're like well i guess we just have to accept that that's inevitable (laughs) and that's the end of that meeting is they're just like i can't do anything about it um, but they're also like this weird kind of like Illuminati World Council like yeah, setup kind of like thing. War room shadow government. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always an interesting pitch when a when a film decides to lean into that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, especially this series because 
there is a pride in nationalism throughout this entire series. Yeah. Japan and the Imperial Floral Defense Squad, they are like, you know, they fight for Japan, even though they're all international. <laughs> yeah. That's a, but they, they, they've been sort of nativized, I think, through this program. Yeah. And, and they are, they are very proud to be fighting for imperialism, which is. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like, it's not just they're fighting for the nation of Japan, they're fighting for the Japanese Empire. Yes, exactly. Um, and that's never given any like ill glance at the, any point in this series. Like it's always a good thing that that's what they're doing. Um, and I can meet art on its own terms in some ways and just say like, okay, I can, but, but on the outside of this art, <laughs> yeah, I'm not for it. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not all into this. Um, yeah. but you know, it, it, it is an interesting thing how this is like an indoctrinating, like, I wonder if when this came out it it served as indoctrination you know not even if intentionally not necessarily like anyone's you know malicious plan or if it was like we're shining a light on the irony of nationalism in any way and people are like oh yeah we get it we know it's not necessarily a good thing to be blindly loyal but um these girls are that because they were raised in that and that was of the time Sure. I no, mean, no way. To I'm, not, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. A, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a. I'm not a sociologist when it comes to <laughs> Japanese views on their own country. Yes. Yeah. I just wonder these the errant thoughts that cross my brain. But either way, Japan is on the rise, and so is darkness. Who's gonna help? It better be these girls. So we cut to them having a conversation about how beautiful the American is. <laughs> each and every one of them well only sakura has seen her i think or at least as far as we know we find out others have later but uh she's the only one who's seen her and she is relating to the other girls how beautiful she is and they are all mixes of jealous or disbelieving or whatever or turned um, on or turned on yeah um and we i mean we have the same cast aside from this new character mostly the same cast as the prior movie so yeah um big tough fighter hana um kana uh, well i i'm i so this is a thing your notes do i'm looking at them now say kana i am so certain the subtitle said hana at one point and i think there might be translation things where they change a name here or there by a letter because we also have lenny the like 15 year old uh pseudo semi-androgynous apparently the internet has had long debates about the the gender of Lenny, but canonically female character um, who sometimes gets called Rennie in wikis and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I think maybe there's some some translation things there. Um, I mean, there's definitely like I mean, even someone like uh, Waluigi is called Waruigi in the Japanese yeah, version because right. Waru I think means evil, and so yes. it's evil Luigi. Um, and then they just switch the R to an L. So, I mean, so I guess that's not like a, a perfect comparison, but yeah, plenty of examples of names being changed in translation. Famously, Street Fighter with your whole Balrog situation, which has nothing yes. to do with pronunciation of names and everything to do with oh, that character is a you know too close of a representation. We have to move it. Um, all right, uh, who else? Uh, Maria is the Russian uh, gunslinger. We got Iris, the child. Uh, we got Koran, who is the the engineer that sucks at everything. Um, Renny, like you mentioned, Orihime, and uh, 
Sumeray. The Sumeray, I feel like they really kind of like pared down her role yes, in this. Yes, very much so. Even that like really nice kind of rivalry she has with Kana isn't even really there. And they seem to be more uh, uh, on, on better terms, which might make sense with where they are in their kind of character development with one another, but lacks any kind of entertainment value. It's such a large cast and adding a new character to it, plus new villains and everything kind of leaves little time for that. And I feel like I'm glad we didn't retread that ground, but I'm also a little sad they didn't give her, you know, she's, she's the star of the show girl. Like they didn't give her something new to do in this. They were just like, yeah, yeah, she's still being kind of what she is. And we're just not going to pay a lot of attention to it. And also she's here. Yeah. And then Sakura, of course, being the samurai trained, (laughs) you know, sword uh, slashing, warrior against the evil and kind of de facto leader of the group even though it's not it's not hard set that she's like in a leadership role she just kind of ends up becoming the protagonist in a lot of these stories um sure yeah or front front leader of like of a plot thing Um, i would definitely say like deuteragonist or something like yeah origami is the is the protagonist then she's kind of like right kind of running right behind him yeah in terms of pecking order so um they they get an alert of course they're doing you know like show practice and other things are going on um they're showing off their mechs to the new person and that kind of thing but at some point they get an alert to uh um attend a fire because what we see is a a man with big old carrot top hair is uh angry that japan is doing so well he hates the rise of japan because you know he's a demon he hates success if you have a nat well he's not a demon he's a human no i know okay he's acting like he's a a very demonic human yeah uh i guess if you have a nationalism plot you need to have an anti like (laughs) success of your nation you need an enemy who just hates you for being so good Mm -hmm. um and uh so he he is sitting in a tower looking out at the city, cursing its success when he is approached by a real creepy tall man wearing a mask. <laughs> I I want to say that's a demon, except that later the mask does fall off and he says his name. And I think it's just a really tall guy who's made like a pact with a demon or something. Demon magic, you know, guy. Yeah. Because his name is just Patrick. <laughs> he is not the Dark Lord, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, it's not even like like an old like uh, like yeah, like he, sage or wizard. Not yeah, like it's a, just a guy named Patrick. Yeah, um, hi Patrick. I'm here for the orientation. Here, there's you provide lunch and breakfast. That's really nice. <laughs> and we were so baffled because the conversation between these two. The voice actors made some interesting choices that I don't even know how to talk about because it's like I can't replicate it, but they're like kind of kind of like raspy. I mean, I, I don't think they line up with any real world accent. They're just kind of like picking like weird swings on how to yeah. pronounce things. And that's we're able to we're able to to kind of identify that because they do switch to English like we were watching yeah. with Japanese dubs um, and English subs but they're straight up just speaking English in this, in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, they, do you even remember what the lines were? Cause I can attempt a read, but I, I couldn't other than just like, 
hating the success of Japan. I mean, I didn't get any like specific lines out of it. Um, but the point is they have this bizarre conversation between them. And then the, the demonic Patrick guy is like, well, I'll do this for you if you hate them so much. And he like, how does he ignite the fire? Do you remember? He snaps his fingers. Okay. He's like, watch this snaps his fingers. And then like an explosion or something erupts on the other side of town. Yeah. Oh, that's what he says. He, he goes on the, the other guy. I can't remember the other guy's name. Carrot top. Yeah. Uh, goes on his rant and, and Patrick's opening line is, I knew you'd say something like that, <laughs> which it's like, okay, I guess it's good that you guys know each other. Um, but yeah, he snaps his fingers. The flame erupts out uh, across the water. And now like some neighborhood is literally just burning um, with demons swarming around yeah. and everything. So in order to, to save things, they deploy the flower girls Um and they say at this moment, which kind of I thought we were heading for a setup of like a an Avengers Civil War type thing where like the flower girls were going to step too far and get in trouble with the government. Maybe um, they're like that whole neighborhood is burning and is also very flammable. So be careful with when you fight, like don't make things worse. Um, so I thought like, oh, they're going to end up like crashing through a house or something and, you know like risk hurting someone or, or nearly hurting someone and then get a bad name and have to recover. Um, but instead, uh, <laughs> we get the thing we've been waiting for, for this yes. entire series. The thing that made me like lean fully forward in my seat and get so fucking hyped up. They pull some levers, machines fire up steam hisses and rolling thunder the train that they tease for us in the first OVA uh, comes into frame and has like a 10 minute getting ready montage. <laughs> yeah, we have to go over some of this because it's just fucking incredible. Please they, take they, it away. Like, they like, so they roll this train out out of its like facility it's in. It's like hangar and it rolls out of like this the traditional like train station, like yeah, rail Thomas station. the Tank Engine yeah. style, like multi-train shed there's like a turntable in front of it yeah um it like rolls out and then they like through automatons or like building constructing extra rail in yeah. front of it to like yeah. push it forward all this thing it's like this big rolling thing and it's like the wheels look like they're like a hundred feet tall and it's like taking forever to like lumber forward and then it like gets into like this giant chasm where it's it's just on this precipice Oh, and let's not forget that the the girls go through a tube to get their suits yes. on, and then on the uh -huh. other side of the tube, get inside their mechs, and then robot right. arms grab their mechs and put them in these like <laughs> metal spheres on the side of the yeah. train. Put them in pods. Yeah, like, yeah, they go through those tunnels like fucking Batman sixty six, where they yes. like start on one end, and they're like civilian clothes <laughs> on the other end, they're in their suits. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like the train comes out in this this platform. It's like okay, obviously like a bridge is gonna come up or whatever the fuck, and it's gonna keep going across nope <laughs> instead at, at, at a, a, a line of rail at a 90 degree angle comes out of the wall beneath the train and the train teeters over and comes and points down this massive chasm somewhere underneath tokyo and then they fucking have like like a racing start 
light and then it just switches to green and then they just fucking rocket launch this train down into the depths of hell and yes. it like goes it like corkscrews around the track like the track goes on the fucking ceiling at one point that's the most insane shit like even if you're engineering this absurd private tunnel system for one train to get across japan uh why would it corkscrew through the tunnel what is the possible reason for that because <laughs> it looks cool you have to imagine like everyone's inside their little pod inside their mech yeah. just getting like spun around uh, 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 uh. and then it like and, and then it joins it like and then like a wall recedes and it comes out of like a secret compartment and then it joins like the municipal subway line and then there's like a tri- like a subway platform and these walls come up to block the platform and the passengers on the platform waiting for a train so that this Rolling Thunder can fucking shoot down yeah. the corridor. It's wild, man. Yeah. And what's so funny about it is, I mean, it, when I say 10 minutes, I'm probably exaggerating, but it is a very prolonged getting ready sequence. Like, I definitely got to the point where I was like, wow, this is this is going on a while, and it still yeah. went on a while past that. Um, but once it gets out of the spiral and it's just rolling on down the track... It doesn't feel very fast no. or like it goes very far. <laughs> it just kind of like you see a few things pass it by and then it's it's stops, stops at its arrival point and it shoots out the little pods with the mechs. Well, it's l- obviously not going very far because you can see the fire from yeah. like where they are. <laughs> yes. So like it can't be more than like a couple of miles. This can't be the most efficient way. This incredibly long process. If they just like ran the mechs across town, I'm almost certain they would have made it there faster. That said, it's pretty fucking cool. It though. was really fucking cool. I, I I was so hyped up in this moment, both to finally see R- Rolling Thunder and like okay here we go some fucking action this early in the movie because the previous ovas well the second ova does it even have mech fighting in it i can't remember no i don't believe so none right and yeah the first one is like very late in the game there's like a there's a midway one and then there's an end one um but you know like what i expected at this point is like oh shit they're they, they know this is the movie they're gonna really kick it off and the mechs fly out and they're these clunky cg ugly fucking things and they land and they do like really weak slaps and slices and punches on these cg demons and i mind just like checked out i was like oh fuck (laughs) i was so bummed out um and they and they like really prolong that scene because like (laughs) at different points multiple different like cargo trucks pull up and deploy another mech yeah and then just like roll off unceremoniously so like they have like one and like what's that one about and it's like this kind of army green colored one that has like angel or bat wings or something that's like flying around the first one that comes up is the american yes um because she gets out and joins the fight and then yes this other one comes out as well um when they're starting to have like a tough time with the fight i guess and Lachette, the American, her special ability is she can, like, throw knives really well. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not kunai, but they might as well be. Sure. Because she, like, fans them out and, like, sets a four and then, like, throws them. And so her mech fans <laughs> out yeah. giant knives yeah. and throws them. And then the knives also explode. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? I guess. I mean, if you're going to build a giant knife, it might as well be, like, a giant incendiary knife, right? <laughs> um, yeah. 
I I couldn't help. I mean, I think maybe they did her the best out of any of them, honestly, because most of them, like whether we call her Kana or Hana, but the 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 punchy one, like watching that big slow mech punch a demon was so boring. Uh, there was there was that one moment where Iris like telepathically lifts a demon and, and it just starts shaking and i thought for just a second they were going to win some points by like ripping the demon apart but this like nine-year-old girl te- tearing it apart with her mind she just kind of like shakes it for a while and drops it unfortunately um but yeah i none it like it lost impact in a way that it's so funny i became uh nostalgic for the first ova where they didn't animate the mechs very much probably because it was too difficult but they did these little like you know uh, the whoever the pilot was in a black void doing the actions the mech would be taking so whether it's sakura swinging a katana or sumire with the uh, glaive um you would see that and then the mech would be doing whatever those actions are and i thought that lined up in retrospect, it lines up really nicely with the like psychic control, because if you imagine yourself doing it to make the mech do it, it it's nice. And also it looks way better than this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so bizarrely aching for an old thing that we did <laughs> in comparison. Just, but, a, just a scant few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so we, we get through this fight only because uh, as things are sort of looking their worst, that winged one that you mentioned uh what is it like shoot a bunch of rockets out i think i don't remember i, th- I think something. that's what it did uh, but basically everybody is confused because they're like who's driving this other new mech if it's not the american girl and it's not us like where did that come from and it like devastates the uh the demons and they're all left confused and then we cut back to the war room and we have this like <laughs> snidely little you know <laughs> i you know some government guy who's like yes i my this was a test of my brand new fully autonomous uh mechs we can replace these girls and of course i think they do take a good angle where even though he's definitely the villain what he is saying in this room is we don't have to put real lives in danger anymore we don't have to depend on recruiting nine-year-old girls to go into <laughs> battle for us it's like oh there's good logic to this villain if he weren't such a cartoonishly evil guy, this would be yeah. better. Um, He's even got the little evil pencil mustache yeah. that only evil people right. wear. Yeah, and John Waters. Evil people. In, well, John Waters might be evil. Never mind. I'll, I'll take <laughs> it back. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, he. this is just one of, a, of many being produced um, in co- uh, collaboration with, do you remember the name of the company? Um, is it not? Oh, oh, a Keratops company. I do not. Yeah. Remember. So it, ultimately, that's the connection. W- is Wayland Utani? I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, whoever Keratop is, he he has a, a normal like. Just well, I say normal. That's not what I mean. What I mean is he doesn't have like a villain name. He has just like a name, like first and last name. But his company also has a name that is not his name. It's just two hyphenated last names is the name of his company. But not one of his last names. No. Which is like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. why would they do this and make it so confusing if they weren't going to try to, like, hide his connection to it? But they do nothing to do that. Uh, uh, Brent Furlong is Carrot Top's name. Okay. 
uh, and the name of his company is the Douglas Stewart Company. Yes. <laughs> if it was the Douglas Furlong Company or something, it would make so much more sense. Um, or like, why even put this other name in there that you're not going to address? Make it like Furlong Robotics or, you know, uh, Mechatronics or something. Like, give us something that's like, oh, wow, he's, he's an industrialist and he's taking over. Yeah, because um, the other one's called Kenzaki Heavy Industries. So yes, it's like, it's which is like Sumire's family. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be a nice parallel to it. It would also, I think that's a great angle they could have taken to bring Sumiri into this more, is have like her family either being villains or being, if you don't want to do that because you want to keep your nationalism themes, have them have like a rivalry with this company or something, you know? Like there, there's a lot of angles you could take to explore these ideas. Is but that what it's trying to sell? Is it trying to sell that like industrialization and like the uh, the capitalists is the enemy of the state? Like, is that like is that the theme that's happening? Well, it can't be right because heavy industries made the serves mechs the that state. serves the state. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think that's what it is. I think it may be foreign interests are the mm. problem okay yeah, um, yeah, yeah. because th- this guy is he's definitely not japanese yeah and well, he might be american maybe he's fucking i don't know it's but, hard then, to tell. but then they flip that by having a bunch of foreigners actually in the imperial defense squad so i maybe they're just saying foreign industry is the problem um, sure which most of the time it is no matter where you're from <laughs> uh, so it's not wrong um yeah so he and this snidely pencil mustache guy are in cahoots. They have a whole warehouse full of these robots, which <laughs> they they decide to, you know, they're going to activate them in order to defend Japan. They, um, I guess there is another squad of mechs that we never see on screen. And uh, they just kind of passively mention at one point that that squad is being disbanded in favor of these new robot mechs being retired um and uh when when the snidely guy do you happen to remember his name at all i do not okay when he goes uh to meet up with furlong they meet at the factory they're surrounded by all these giant mechs and you and i were both like what is happening here why is why is this happening one of the mechs activates tries to kill the little whimpering guy as just a like i thought it was like an, an intentional threat to be like hey don't step out of line you know even though you were in the one in government i'm the one with power yeah. um but what instead happens is patrick shows up uh-huh. and you described it so beautifully uh <laughs> patrick draws like a sigil on the robot's head which makes it shit itself <laughs> is how you <laughs> shit itself to death is how i think you said it um, yeah it, the robot just starts pumping out oil out of every orifice uh collapses to the ground and then uh they they kind of deliver that message of like hey don't don't fuck around or this could be you i'll make you shit yourself yeah. to death. I'll make you I'll make you shit your pants yeah he like he's straight up like non-verbally communicates that to the the whimpering guy by like holding a finger up to the guy's temple as yeah. to imply i could draw a z on you because the sigil looks like a z i yeah. could draw a z on you at any second i think at that point we didn't know his name and you were like is this guy zoro <laughs> it's like yeah yeah well nick good news i have uh just discovered patrick's last name would you like to hear it 
if it's Zoro, I'm gonna I'm gonna shit myself to death. <laughs> uh, uh, Patrick's full name is Patrick Hamilton. Oh, uh, cool. Patrick Hamilton, totally mm-hmm. a villainous name. <laughs> yeah. Where are like the the like Lord Deathstrokes and things like that? Like why? Right. Why is it every guy in this is just a guy? Which there's something to that. There's something I do like about that, but. Um, all right. So trying to connect the dots between this and the next major important scene, what we have is an extended uprising of these robot armies, right? Like they kind of get more and more position of power and the girls get actually supplanted out of the Imperial theater. They are no longer allowed to stay there. They have Mm -hmm. to big punishment have to get sent to the imperial beach house mansion <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> darn what a um, shame yeah but, I they're, mean, not I get good, it. they're not good enough actors anymore so they have to be replaced by autonomous robots i'm just imagining a giant robot being on the stage doing a soliloquy and like a, in a flowing gown yeah i have so many questions about like why this government would make these decisions even if you are 100 percent not going to activate them for their mech abilities in this moment they are all heavily combat trained heavily uh invested in the the success of japan incredibly famous and has to be profitable as a business um not necessarily when you factor in the cost of the hundreds of people that apparently work for (laughs) them to make the mechs work but but I'm just uh, mean. I thought you meant the hundreds of faceless ghost stagehands. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think they get paid. <laughs> so well, they need to unionize. They yeah. need to figure that out. Right. Um, but no, if you don't count like the the military aspect of it, keeping them as a government run imperial theater troop is going to serve the government's needs anyway, right? It's like a sense of pride for the local people. So why they would ever get like shunted off to some other place where they no longer have access to their mechs can't perform can't practice it's just like it's meant to be a low point it just feels like the government shooting itself in the foot and not actually all that much of a low point for them (laughs) they're hanging out at a beach mansion um uh yeah so they are there they're kind of convinced that they're gonna get uh, retired themselves at some point soon and the uh they, they start kind of investigating things or specific characters do i guess can yeah. you talk through i can't remember exactly yeah um so one of the first things that happens is i believe orihime goes on like an escort mission they're right, like we need right. we need someone to escort since you're not since you're originally not from flower division or whatever, we're going to send you or she demands to go. Cause she's one of the few people that gets like really angry about like the, the shutdown happening. Um, so they send her on an escort mission. They're like, okay, you're going to go here. Like, and then you'll be briefed and, um, uh, so long. Mm-hmm. And so she goes off to, in her mech to this, this kind of like desolate area instead of like the envoy or whatever she's going to be escorting being there as everyone's favorite friend patrick hamilton (laughs) hanging out and she's like what who are you what's going on this isn't the envoy and then patrick let's talk about patrick's other friends 
So Patrick yeah. has two like sidekicks, and they're both like these creepy long limbed marionettes yeah. that kind of just like hover in the air. Like I guess they all have or psycho powers. They hover or they'll cling to him and like hang off of him and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um and one of them kind of flutters over to Urihime and lashes onto her mech and then like eight spider legs like sprout out yeah. of its back and I'm like, "Oh, I don't like that." And then like <laughs> flips upside down, yeah. looks into the cockpit, opens its mouth and there's just a giant eye that like grows out of its mouth and I'm like, "I really don't like that." <laughs> yeah. Um and apparently it like hypnotizes yeah with its eyeball we have to guess that that's what's happening there right because it's never clearly communicated except the next time we see her she is clearly not in control of herself yes so i think you're you're dead on but in that moment i didn't get that sense right like it's a weird like i i thought it was just like zooming in like ah you're terrified and now you're captured um but yeah uh i mean if i saw that i would be pretty paralyzed with fear oh absolutely like, that's yeah some terrifying shit it's an eye-catching design <laughs> oh, 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 oh you you did it oh, it's pretty uh, good it's, yeah yeah uh she's in the podcast here all right bye folks <laughs> and then the other person that gets disappeared is uh maria so she goes off by herself and goes investigates one of the warehouses because she for some reason knows where these mechs are being stored yeah. for some reason. Well, she was like a Russian spy, right? So I feel like she could get that information, but it is just like a quick cut to like, suddenly I'm now in a warehouse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the problem with this entire movie, right? Is that there's yeah. no real connective tissue between scenes to yeah. be like, ah, okay, I, I saw the piece of paper on the commander's desk or whatever, and now I'm going to go investigate. Um, So she breaks into this facility, sees all the mechs, and she's like, oh, demons yeah. or like she goes into like this inner sanctum where there's just like this big pulsing mass of meat yeah and she's like why don't the mechs have anything inside them and then she sees that and she's like this is what's inside them just a bunch of meat yeah so they're they're not robots at all instead they're meat demons just like humans yeah well yeah that's accurate um and then who would show up but Patrick Hamilton again, because this movie is kind of a one-trick pony. Yeah. Um, it's got like five villains, but they definitely like move this one most important villain around a lot. Yeah. yeah. And Maria apparently knows Patrick yeah. from something prior, and they never go into that. Nope. But she's like, oh, Patrick. And then <laughs> Patrick like unleashes his demons on her, uh, and she like kills one of them yeah like the there's one puppet not the one we saw earlier but the other one that never gets any screen, screen time, time just yeah, gets besides this blast its head blown off but very critically she shoots patrick a few times and he laughs them off and says Haha, bullets can't affect me cool patrick why is that <laughs> what reason uh-huh, would there be i don't know yeah <laughs> and then she's like shit and then shatters a window and jumps out of it and then like falls into the river outside. Yeah. Um, and then Patrick looks out and like a pool of blood like starts coalescing at the, the top of the water. And he's like, Well, she's definitely dead, and I'm not going to investigate this any further. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And we as the audience definitely believe that's how she dies. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Does anything important happen before between, Ari- Arihime? Yeah, before like, well, the hostile takeover, right? Because, I mean, that's what really that's, starts it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Furlong activates like all of the robots to basically take over the Imperial Theater and other parts like the core of yeah. Japan, right? Like he or core of uh, Tokyo, maybe. Um, and uh, the the girls hear about it, and even though their mechs are not uh, on hand, they decide that they are going to sneak in to the facility through a sewer tunnel. <laughs> um, thankfully. Uh, the purple-haired Donatello of the group has yes. just happens to at the mansion facility have a like sewer submarine. I don't, <laughs> and everything she makes blows up, but that this doesn't. <laughs> this well, is fine. But it's key to the plot, Nick. Yeah, yeah. It would have been so fulfilling if they all took the submarine got there got out of the submarine and like they get two steps away and it blows up like that would have paid off her constant you know situation uh, in, a, in a way that would have made me like fully happy um but instead it just works and, and you can ignore any of the past jokes she's actually a competent engineer now um oh thank god yeah so they get in to the basement of the, of the theater and through the the tunnel access they fight some guards and it's like probably the coolest sequence in the movie i think because they are actually animated and actually showing off their psychic powers and it made me just go like oh yeah you're not nothing without your mechs you're still highly highly trained psychic warriors and world-class performers you're gonna be fine (laughs) <laughs> whatever happens but i'm nothing without the suit yeah they very much have that attitude and i'm like this is not the low point you want it to be uh, or prior to this wasn't the low point you want it to be but they fight through some guards um they uh there is a moment where the american is like straight up about to murder one of the guards but sakura blocks the knives with her sword and is like hey we're not we're not here to kill people like they're just doing their job we just have to do our job and protect Japan. She blocks the knife when it's in midair too. Like yeah. it, to further sell how talented these people are. Is that yeah. she throws the knife and then she blocks it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She gets like c- catches wind of it while it's flying through the air, has time to get there and block it. Yeah. Um, so they uh they do end up getting their mechs. They run into a random helpful guard who's like or you know some soldier who uh is very happy to help them succeed oh uh, well, she's 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 like the the sub commander she's from the previous OBAs. oh we've seen that but no yeah, not, she's not her not her i'm sorry oh, oh, oh i'm oh. thinking of the I, I i i i'm assuming masculine very himbo oh yes handsome squidward like, dude yes there you go handsome squidward yeah giant yes. like like the like most kissable lips design big cheekbones like yeah a little mole right on the on there like the kind of you know glamour mole i guess is what it would yes. be um and uh it's just like a big fan and it's just like we're here to do the right thing and help you 
Let's yes. do it. And then, yes. It's not even that they run into him. He just kind of shows up at some point. They're right. like, we need a plan. And then he just kind of appears from yeah. out of frame. Like, I have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so with him and the vice commander, they do uh, finish getting their mechs. Um, I think there's a mention of some upgrade. Yeah. They get some upgrades with, with the jetpacks. Yes. Um so their mechs are uh, given jetpacks by uh, the engineer, and they deploy this defense grid system over top of the theater, which is like how do we like there's steel cables connecting these pillars to a to a central one. Do, do they have like guns on them or something? Because at the first wave, before the actual like uh, flower squad arrives. It does something. Does it have like anti-air? They they do something that triggers it. That triggers like uh, like a death field for the demons, right? Uh, that's during the fight. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. That's what the vice commander ends up like going to help. I think is like after they meet her, she's like, "I'm gonna help you guys because this is the right thing to do." Um. Whatever. They activate this like system which puts a bunch of steel cables above the theater that the mechs can like roller skate on <laughs> yes yes it's, it's such a needlessly complex defense system and they were just given jetpacks which i know will have like fuel concerns you can't jetpack forever uh-huh. but it it's a weird thing to be like jetpack up to those cables but now they're doing this you fucking sonic adventure foot grind thing yeah. just sliding back and forth on these yeah. steel cables but they fight a mix of demons and mechs uh from up in the air on top of that in fact they they start by fighting demons but then they're suddenly surprised when the mechs show up and turn on them um we get which we need to talk about that because why are the demons working with carrot top for long so i think the nexus point is uh is patrick right he is some kind of warlock or a demon himself or something that is able to command the demons so okay. he's the embodiment of darkness in some way. Furlong is just an industrialist who is, you know, morally corrupt and willing to do whatever it takes to succeed. He hates Japan. So he is going to make a deal with Patrick to, you know, demon up all the, the mechs he can make. And then uh, the mechs will have a better chance against flower squads everywhere. <laughs> Someone should tell him that there's like plenty of other countries besides Japan that he could like... <laughs> go to and hang out in but he hates japan so much japan (laughs) yeah right yes you don't have to be in japan for long um yeah i don't know i mean maybe he wants maybe he sees it as like a wealth center i i who knows because it also could just be the nationalist plot of they hate us because we're us you know so uh either way he has access to the demons through patrick seems pretty clear to me and then the the other villain being his weenie guy in the government um, who just kind of helped him get the contracts. He's just another sub, you know, villain. Um, too many, I think. I think you could have cut out definitely the, the government guy and had Furlong be negotiating directly with the government. I also think it would have been great if at any point before final conflict, Furlong had any contact with any of the flower squad um or any of them did and any development of backstory with patrick like there's so many missed little beats there that this movie just kind of puts scene after scene and doesn't connect um but meanwhile so while that attack is happening basically the heads of government whoever that 
that war room council is they have been kidnapped by furlong he's holding them hostage inside his building um the girls realize that oh no the <laughs> the the mechs are the problem like they are they are bad um because i think up to this point you know they thought it was just demons they thought uh, aside from maria of course who uncovered things more i think they were under the impression that the mechs were just another option for defense at, that was supplanting them not villainous sure um so i i've got a couple pieces of this in mind i know that arihime shows up around now um after they defend the imperial uh theater and at the same ish time while they're fighting arihime uh because she is possessed and uh, can manifest fireballs <laughs> that uh, mess up the other mechs pretty good. Um, who saves the council then from Furlong? Is that is it Elvis? The, is it the vice commander? I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. I think it's probably Elvis. Elvis kicks in the door with a bunch of soldiers, d- defends the council members, at which point they have furlong surrounded furlong says oh you think i'm done here you think this is all i've got and he backs out the window while this super mech rises behind him giant huge mech comes out of nowhere clasps its hands around him and their bullets bounce off of that meanwhile in the orihime fight she fireballs lenny's mech uh to the point that it like severely damages him we've never really established rules or her, excuse me, I said him, uh, never established rules for what hurts the people inside the mechs, but apparently a big fireball can. Um, yeah, like, are they psychically linked to the exterior of their mech? Is it like a, a Pacific Rim drift kind of thing? Yeah. Like, how, Or how maybe they just superheated it with a fireball and it got real hot inside there. It's <laughs> true. But Lenny's in trouble, um, which we realize sort of from a distance... I believe I believe I'm getting this right. Patrick is like literally puppeteering Arihime, right? He's like doing uh, something, or is it one? Well, of the- he's yes, he's puppeteering his puppet, which is then puppeteering Arihime. Okay, yeah. Let's add another layer of confusion to this. <laughs> yes, right. So they are puppeteering Arihime, and Arihime is being forced to generate another fireball while Lenny is out of her mech suit. Certainly going to be you know death for her. And instead, although it's not entirely clearly communicated because of the bad CG of the mechs, I think the message here is that Arihime has enough strength of will and enough control. She firebombs herself, disabling her mech. Um, the girls all run over to her, get her out. In fact, I think Lenny is the first one to get up and run over to her after having been nearly knocked out herself. Um, but goes and helps her and good news if you fireball yourself you can break magical puppeteering <laughs> oh awesome great so make a note of keep this. that in your back pocket yeah if you can summon fireballs do save that ability for if you ever get controlled by right, an right, evil demon be able to summon fireball okay yes good excellent so things are looking good there but now furlong is pissed <laughs> um furlong gets inside his giant mech 
And because it wasn't giantish enough, he brings his giant mech over to where all the other mechs are. All of the other mechs turn into meatballs. <laughs> this is delicious. <laughs> they merge into him, or rather, they merge into one giant mass, which he sinks his mech into the center of. Um, he tells the girls that, you know, they thought they were special, but they're nothing. And then becomes this super demon mech with tentacles and yeah, uh, moving textures on its skin because that's a cool thing to do in 2001. Very, very Metal Gear, very Evangelion yes. style mech. The, the, the way he kind of enters the mech because he's like standing out like on a like upraised palm of the, the, the first big mech, the first stage. And then like these electric bands or cords or something come out and like wrap him up like a mummy. Right. He has like one eye exposed. He's like, it almost looks like he doesn't want this. Right. Cause he's like, like choked by it. (laughs) Yeah. And then it drags him in and then, yeah, it like both transforms using the meatballs transforms into this, (laughs) you know, it's a fusion of a flesh and machine that he is at the core of. And he himself gets transformed into like this weird demonic form. He says, I smell like beef. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. So he's big, uh, seemingly like super colossal big when we see him from across the city. But then in all the shots where we're much closer to him, he's not that big. (laughs) He's he's like four story building tall, not like 20 story building as it seems from a distance. Um, But boom bow crash we have a fight the cg mechs fighting the cg monster he slaps them away effortlessly uses his various powers on them uh it is very much a they don't stand a chance kind of sequence until all of a sudden from nowhere a massive artillery blast just like smashes into his chest um and knocks him backwards and uh, we get a cut to someone on the deck of a like uh, battleship out in the harbor who has just shot into the city, <laughs> which right. I think that's fucking rad. <laughs> um, and then and then another uh, 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 crash through the air as Ugami shows up in his mech and joins the fight. Um, yes. And he's like, Sakura, you can do this. And she blushes and she's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, he believes in me. So they've they've toyed with the idea of these characters maybe having a romance, I guess. And now it's it's pretty clear that's where they're destined to be because of the. Yeah, because of you, plot. Put, you put all your chips on the on the on the eldest I, card. I did because at the end of the second OVA in the wedding sequence there is a flash of Elvis next to it's, it's not uh, Elvis. Sa- it's, it's clearly Ogami because no, Elvi- I don't believe yes. you in, the, in that, in the, in the second OVA, Elvis is a blonde. And in that, in that, I don't believe that either. I want to verify. Wow, this stuff. We're arguing about this fucking thing that we could give two <laughs> shits less about. I care enough to go look after this and find out. Fine. All right. We have a correction <laughs> yeah. issued at the beginning of next episode. Right. Uh, we would like to apologize for what we've said about Elvis. <laughs> so he, he, in fact, has not left the building. Yes. Um, I thought for sure they were setting up Elvis in a flash forward and like a psychic projection. And then we would catch up with that. 
But, you know, there's a lot of dropped plots that we haven't caught up with in this series. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, yep. So uh, the fight commences. I mean, it's really hard to describe this in any meaningful way. They all use their powers. They are all driving CG mechs. They fuck up this demon robot. Um, it's there's it's the it's not very exciting. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh it's fine. It serves what it is, and it's of its time. Um, but it feels weirdly hollow being like this close to the end of the movie, and knowing that Patrick is still out there. And they're focusing so much on this furlong guy they've never met before. Granted, they have yeah. to. He's a four-story robot. But, like, it just feels a little out of place. And then after they defeat him, we do get this cut to Patrick running away on the rooftops. And as he's running, he sees up ahead of him Maria standing in moonlight, billowing long coat. Mm-hmm. Um, All bandages up from her her leap. Yeah, she's taking care of herself, and they exchange some words, and she lifts her gun, and Patrick says, I already told you, bullets can't hurt me, and as he runs at her to kill her, she pushes in this, like, white bullet. Oh, we we did skip over the psychic power charge, because this made me think of that. She pushes in this white bullet, she shoots him in the head. As he is on the ground dying, he gets one last word, which is, why (laughs) (laughs) and she says oh i forgot to mention i used a psychically charged bullet um guess that works or something like that and and he is done so she has resolved some plot that really wasn't contained in this movie and probably is in like the fourth game with her um but is completely cleared now but yeah why this character got catharsis i did in my excitement completely skip over uh when they're defending the theater, the way that they do defeat the demons before the other mechs show up is right. Iris. Iris gets on top of the like the highest point uh, uh, on the theater, like the needle on top of the the dome, and she starts charging energy. And then we cut to what seems like dozens of women at switchboards underneath the theater that the vice commander is is working with. And they are all like charging psychic energy themselves into these computers, which somehow raises meters and fills, you know, needles on, on, uh, uh, on different displays, gauges. gauges yeah. Um, and charges up this big pink sphere around Iris, which blasts out and like just detonates all of the, uh, demons. Right. Um, but it's perfectly harmless to, to human beings like you and me. Yes. Which is great. Um, I, I love that actually. I think that's great. Except are all of these people on standby at all times? <laughs> are they each psychically trained or can anyone donate psychic energy to this? Yeah. Why are there so many people we have never seen in this facility before? Like so many questions out of this one little moment. And why don't they use it again against the big giant monstrosity? Is it only work at the building? Probably, I guess. Yeah. Visit your local spirit bank today to donate yeah. your spirit energy <laughs> yes. for the cause. So they spirit bomb the, that stuff. Then they go into the big fights we've already described. They kill Patrick. We think it's over. But we were so wrong. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> what could possibly be left, Nick? The next. Oh, how long would you say? God, it felt like an eternity. It did. I, I want to say like 12 minutes of screen time is 
because it feels like that. It's probably not that long, uh, but it feels like it. The next however long is a extended scene, which is a, like a full-blown operatic performance between Lachette, the American um, mech pilot, in armor like all the other characters come and put like armor on her and she looks like a fucking death knight from world of warcraft yeah um holding a sword and singing to uh sakura who is on top of this like this rock um elevated position and they are saying like lachette is going to go fight for her and and uh be a hero and i'm trying to sum up some of the basic ideas what it ultimately yeah. gets to is Lachette tells Sakura that she or you know whoever she's playing as is going to kill Sakura or whoever Sakura is playing as, and it becomes very clear that it's both not the right dialogue for the scene as people behind stage kind of comment on, but also the intent is that Lachette is now confessing that she is about to straight up murder Sakura even though this whole movie has transpired where we have never gotten more than the slightest hint that Lachette is not a good person. Um, right. And they kind of imply, I feel like with, with, uh, um, Koran's dialogue, like they kind of imply that she might be possessed by like yeah, a demon, but some I like didn't demonic get, influence. Yeah. I didn't it's, feel it's hard that she tell. was possessed at any point is what I mean but to yeah. say. Um, but she's playing this king, uh, Sakura's playing the love interest, and like she's just wielding this giant broadsword that she is just kind of like pointing at her and just kind of waving around <laughs> willy-nilly. Whipping it around is very aggressive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it kind of culminates in this way too long dialogue exchange between mm-hmm. both of them that's like a musical number at one point, and then just like them talking back and forth, and yeah. then all the other characters come out on on stage in like whatever characters they're playing as within this performance and then she finally like lifts the sword and then slashes across sakura's chest and just a huge gout of blood comes out and sakura collapses to the ground on stage which the stage is also flooding because they have like water effects (laughs) effects, like (laughs) the effects are crazy yeah yeah and she she collapses to the ground, seemingly dead, and then she just opens up her eyes. She's like, and that was that. Yeah. I mean, there's some specific dialogue where Lachette says, I have to kill you because I love you so much. Yes. And, and then she also says that she made a deal with who I think she's implying is Furlong. She doesn't say his name, of course, but... I almost got the sense that maybe Furlong being an American industrialist built the mechs that America was going to use. So the Eisenscald that Lachette drives is probably built by Furlong. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Lachette was sent to like help get a mech into the battlefield to prove the Furlong mechs could replace the flower squad so I, I think, I mean, I, I might be interpreting and making up an entire plot, but I think that's what the implication is, is that she kind of did this bad thing and is now needing to confess it, but also might want to kill Sakura and herself 
uh, because of the thing that she did. And it's like, hey, you don't have to do that. And in fact, Sakura is basically saying that in her dialogue. She's like, it's okay if you did something bad. Ultimately, you fought for good and we forgive you and we can move forward. And she's like, nope, I have to kill you. <laughs> so she does the slash, massive gout of blood flies out. And then she gets up and acts like she didn't just bleed, so, which blows my mind. Now, you you have a theory that the blood is just a stage prop. That it mm. was fake blood. The squibs or something. Yeah. But why? <laughs> like, I don't know. This whole scene didn't make any goddamn sense. No, and it's also, so strange. I was so checked out by this. I was like, oh my God, it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. Okay, I will say she's this. Dead, but I she's liked, not dead. I liked the long song because it gets to this rising point where when each of them singing solo, I was like, this is too slow and kind of boring and their dialogue is not interesting. But if you just listen to the music and don't listen to the or don't read the subtitles necessarily, when they start singing overlapping, it is like I could listen to that, you know, just like it is a yeah, good. Yeah, it's a cool performance yeah. in of itself, but it serves nothing to the actual story that's been told that has seemingly already concluded. Yes, yes, this could have been a mid-movie pre-climax, like I'm going to betray you and kill you no, I'm not going to do that because you've shown me a better way. Now let's go fight the evil together. And or I have been possessed by a demon. Yes. So I, I am compelled to do this. And now yeah. you pretending to have died has released me from its control. Yeah. But th- isn't that weird that we just did a I'm possessed by a demon and you almost dying freed me to, you know, like it's the yeah. Lenny Orihime story just redone in a more confusing way. I don't know, man. And then I don't know. After we finally get a fade to black as the crowd is clapping along to them all bowing because she's fine in spite of this cut uh that probably didn't happen. Uh we fade back in to Sakura in a field of or a grove of trees. It's definitely like Sakura blossom trees, like you know the rose petals or not rose petals uh cherry blossoms yeah um and and i was just like oh my god when will it end (laughs) and then like it's like a slow fade into so it's like definitely like and here we are setting up another scene except she just turns to the camera and like a the end pops up (laughs) and that's it and freeze frame on her face frame yeah it's like what was that you had an ending (laughs) you had an ending why did you do this so strange hey how can we how can we finish how can we end our movie in the most obnoxious unceremonious way possible yeah very strange i also i okay my biggest question at the end of this journey we've been on the end of the first ova Uh uh-huh ogami meets himself (laughs) yeah presumably from a parallel dimension (laughs) yeah and then we never, ever see that again. Well, you got to play the games. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know you're right, but don't you think that's a huge enough thing that it should have come up one more time since then? <laughs> like, it probably did. I in mean, the games. in the games, yes. Like, I guess we don't know how they resolved it. It's such a weird thing to introduce in the OVA and not give it some more attention in another animated thing, though. Like, I know... These weren't made for people who don't play the games. Yeah. But stop well, doing that. Well, 
Stop making things for people who don't play the games. We missed the cut scene in this movie where when Ogami uh, returns, he flies in and goes, Sakura, I'm here to help you. And also, I have fought my inner demon who is also a duplicate of myself. And now everything's better. Okay. Ah! <laughs> so it all, that, that all got resolved. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Never figured out who the stage ninjas are. Although they do. Uh, there is an Ogami... Um, in in this finale uh bit there is an ugami and elvis scene where they are talking about just like things in general i guess the girls and and the journeys that they've been on and whatnot and the elvis guy is like i'm just one of the nameless faceless uh production assistants of the theater and i think he means that metaphorically but I would yeah, l- that character definitely has a name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He might not have even said nameless. So I think he meant like, I am a background player in this. I am not an important part of, of what's going on here. But he refers to himself as one of these like ninja stagehands. And I, I want to know if he is one who stepped out of that role and became a soldier or if he isn't one at all. And that was completely metaphorical. Um. And if it is metaphorical, it's a weird thing to make a metaphor about in the theater where those ghosts are always around. <laughs> like, yeah, it seems disrespectful somehow. He decided one day to become a corporeal being and then become a corporal. Yeah, corporeal corporal. Yes. Uh, I, I, If he did, that's kind of a cool, fun story. If he didn't, it just seems rude to the stagehands who are like these amazing stagehands, you know. Like I said, man, they got a union. Yeah, they got to unionize. Yeah, they're being treated like secondhand citizens. They're not being respected. Just <laughs> being walked all over. <laughs> no one cares that they just dissipate into thin air. No one's impressed by that anymore. Yeah, been doing it for years. There's all kinds of magic out there now. People can puppet puppets. Yeah, all kinds of crazy shit. <laughs> Some people are jugglers. <laughs> that's wait was that in this movie yeah that was in this movie <laughs> there is a moment where they are it's like the bonding sequence with uh lachette where all of the girls go into town and they just want to like see japan a little bit and show her around and they end up in this like performance square where someone is juggling and the looks and excitement on all of their faces as these deadly war vet uh psychic powered mech drivers have for seeing a man juggle three bowling pins is baffling iris could literally pick that entire man up with her mind but watching him catch a couple of uh bowling pins has blown their minds well on top of that she literally does that yeah in the first movie one of the previous ovas yes yes she yes it's probably like the same square. It looks like it, certainly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my biggest compliment to this is the consistency of yeah. the world design between all three of these things is uh, really impressive in a world where everything gets rebooted mm-hmm. so quickly and also like things change creative director, creative hands so often yeah. that like people are like, oh, no, I don't want it to look like this. I want it to look like that. Gotham now looks like fucking this, and then it yeah. looks like Chicago, and now it looks like this, and and now it's across the river from Metropolis, <laughs> which apparently was always the case if you're a big comic book nerd. But who gives a shit? It's stupid, anyways. 
But uh, yeah. So what'd you think, Nick? What'd you think of this? I, I mean, my feelings from the beginning of this episode are the same. I I love the ideas of this series so much and every single thing lets me down <laughs> that the first OVA, I think if I had stopped there, I would have thought this has so much potential and is really great. And then the, but, but like that OVA wasn't, you know, and then the second OVA, the first episode was like, this is exactly what I want this to be. This is what this series, if they just did a bunch of this, this could be perfect. Um, that's with uh, Sakura and Maria teaming up to fight the mech, or the, the robot, you know, that was remote controlled um, from the uh, assassin from New York. Like, great. Uh, and then <laughs> literally everything since then, I've been strung along and disappointed <laughs> more and more. But I still, I still have some warm place in my heart for this series. Yes, I would love to see, and maybe it's in the game where this is done justice. Yeah. I mean, I'd hope so, since it's like the the main driving point of this franchise. But it would like it would be nice to see one of these really hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Well, I think that first episode of the second OVA is the one that nails it on the head, right? Like, yeah, that's that's the best version of this from my particular, you know point of view now i'm sure there's a lot of people who would pick a different episode for completely different reasons and this is for them and not for me and that's totally cool too yeah uh but yeah i feel about the same um i'm really impressed what you're able to recall from this movie because as you're saying things i realized i was <laughs> you zoned out kind of checked out yeah i was <laughs> yeah. like oh that happened uh, I, I made it all up I'm- don't worry Oh, oh, great. Awesome. Well, another action-packed episode where we lie to the audience. Yeah, no one will ever know. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to watch this anyway, so it's fine. Uh, you ready for another one, Nick? Well, I'm now playing with the idea, before we get to what's next, of us just doing a podcast where we fully make up an entire plot and just wait to see if anyone ever calls us on it. Yeah, um, yeah. the uh, female street shark. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Can we become internet legends through that? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. What's next? What are we? What else we got to watch on this fine entertainment program? Let me tell you. So by the time the next episode rolls around, I think Sonic the Hedgehog Dose will be out in theaters. But I think we're going to kind of uh, wait and see on on that. Uh, we might we might be we might see it while it's still in theaters. We might not we'll let you know when it pops up it'll just be a nice surprise in your Whoa. podcast feed um but next up man nick i know how much you love anime ovas with fighting game bases <laughs> is uh, there a shower no one, oh god um no on the first one yet to be determined on the second <laughs> yeah. um next up we got this fire emblem ova uh, that i discovered not quite a fighting game from 1997 before people knew what a fire emblem even was here yeah in the states right that'll be interesting yeah so get ready for that for the adventures of marth roy and all your other favorite characters that take up way too many spots in the smash brothers roster (laughs) we'll see you next time